Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, Trent and Biz, as we get ready for the 2020 Iowa Hawkeye football season. Basketball right around the corner. It is here, game week, Biz. We made it. We made it through the pandemic. Everything's good now, right? Exactly. So I, we haven't got to hear that wonderful intro song in a long time, Trent. So it's been, I, I looked real quick this morning. June 30th was the last time you and I were together. So I assume... You've gotten sick and tired of so many people just begging for our return so that you decided to, to contact me and be like, we, we've got to make our triumphant return. Is that basically how it worked out? Well, I know a lot of people in Hawkeye fandom, uh, they're looking for something to fill the void with the On Iowa podcast going away. We will not go to two and a half hours like Mark Morehouse and Scott Doctorman did in the past, but we'll try to fill you in as best as possible, have a little fun little gambling advice as uh, we tried to do better than we have the last couple of seasons on that front, and and away we go. But there's a void out there. We'll see what we can do to fill that in just a little bit. Fill, fill the void. That could be kind of our, our new theme for this. If you've got nothing better to do with 45 minutes, listen to us. There it is. Well, before we get into Iowa football for the upcoming season, we'll do our over-unders as we do each and every year where – I have taken a whole lot of money from the Bisquaki uh, Casino throughout the years. Uh, I'm going to try to do that again later on in the program today. Let's start at the top. It's uh, it's dominating certainly the conversation and the headlines, not about the game, but off field. We talked about that this summer. Uh, we got into it a little bit, but a suit being filed by eight former players to the athletic department asking for $20 million and also with it for the firing of Gary Barta, the athletic director, Brian Ferentz, and Kirk Ferentz also there. You are a lawyer, Biz, so you can help us out a little bit here. And in the most simple fashion, let's just start right here. Is there any basis for this lawsuit coming down? Oh, I think there's definitely a basis. And, you know, not only am I a lawyer, but primarily I am a civil defense lawyer. So, I mean, I defend, I don't generally defend these types of cases, but I defend you know, civil litigation is, is generally what I do. And so, you know, Trent, you and I have talked about this whole matter in the past, and, and I think both of us have always been hesitant to, to talk about it in too much detail just because as two middle-aged white guys, I'm not sure we have a ton to add to this conversation. But, you know, now that they're threatening litigation and it certainly seems like there's going to be litigation you know, from a pure legal standpoint, I, I'm, I'm happy to chat about it a little bit. But uh, I mean, to answer your initial question, Trent, yes, I, I think there is a basis for this. I mean, I think any time, you know, you pay a 20-year a, a assistant over a million dollars to quickly go away, there clearly were some, some issues and problems in your program, and you – you know, I think everybody knows that. I think everybody, I think everybody can agree with the simple fact that, you know, there were some areas that needed to improve in the Iowa football program. And, you know, it, just because there's a basis for the lawsuit doesn't mean you necessarily have to have a, a good taste in your mouth. Now that, now that, you know, when you read that demand letter, it's uh, it's kind of cringeworthy. The, the demands that come with it, leaving the money aside, 
the demands of a firing. I mean, is that even legally possible that that could be handed down, that something like that could come out and the court of law comes down and says, yes, you guys win the case, here's your money, and these three guys, you're also fired. Can that even happen? I don't think so. Again, this is not it's my specific area, but I mean, I, I think in a court of law, they would be limited to you know monetary damages um, only, and obviously they're going to be asking for very large amounts. But you know, I get, I see lots of exorbitant, crazy initial demands. So I guess knowing what I know and what I see, the twenty million dollar number doesn't shock me as much as it probably does. Um, most people, because you, know, you got to start somewhere, and, and you, you know you, you might as well start uh, with pie in the sky numbers, and then you can work your way down from there. But you know, this is getting way, way, way ahead of the game, Trent. But I would be very surprised if you know there's not some significant efforts to try to reach a settlement and, and avoid having this case uh, reach the reach a courtroom because I just think there's there's too much at stake on both sides for this to get all the all the dirty laundry to get aired in a courtroom in this case. Well, and as we found out with the Jane Meyer and Tracy Dr- Greasebaum case, that one went to trial and Iowa ultimately lost it. And I do wonder if that means the, the legal side for the University of Iowa and the athletic department just says, you know what, we tried this before and it didn't work. Let's just settle out of court and, and go that route too because – They've been burned in the past, trying to go to court and thinking that they were going to be fine doing that, and it didn't work out. If that's going to maybe make them a, l- a little bit more go- gun-shy about going to a trial. Yeah, I think it definitely will. And I think you saw that with with Doyle. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they made every effort to settle as quickly as possible. And, you know, I'm sure that left a bad taste in, in, in all the different uh, potential plaintiffs' mouths here because, you know, I guess I don't blame them. If you look at, you know, the guy that was allegedly, or I guess not allegedly, I mean, pretty clearly he did these things over a course of 20 years, and you paid him a million dollars to go away. You know, who are we to sit here and say maybe you know they shouldn't be getting paid uh, some amount to, to go away as well? So, I mean, my initial thoughts on this, Trent, I mean, if you look at, like, the NFL concussion um, lawsuits, the way those ended is that they agreed to put up kind of a, a slush fund and then people could could apply to that fund and, and try to show that they were entitled to some of the uh, the settlement funds that are out there. And my guess is that that's probably what will happen down the road in this case. Is that you know it won't be just a settlement with eight plaintiffs that we've heard now. I think what it'll potentially be is a more broad settlement where they say, okay, we agreed to, to put X amount of money aside and then anybody that feels like they are entitled to a portion of those settlement funds can apply for them um, and then likely a third party would make the decision on how much goes to, to each to each person that applies I mean I think you'd have a, a timeline of you know 90 days six months a year or whatever for everybody to apply and when that deadline closes that third party will make a determination as to how the money is, is is divvied out to people. So, again, that, that's getting way, way, way ahead of things. But I, I get the feeling that's what's going to happen down the road here is because I think, you know, you can't settle with just these eight people because then you leave the door open for the next eight or the next 80 or the next whatever. So, um, and I, I, on the flip side, I don't think this is one where you can take it to trial because 
you're going to have the dirty laundry of your program aired out to the national media for, you know, for weeks. And that just, you know, obviously we are very biased because we, you know, most people here in Iowa, you know, feel, you know, <laughs> have a very high opinion of Kirk Ferentz. And, and I think just you know, rightfully so. But anytime you get somebody in front of a courtroom for two weeks, I mean, it's not going to be pretty. So I, I, I think that's how it'll probably play out down the road, but I guess we'll we'll wait and see. But but let's uh, let's focus on the more positive things, Trent, which is we are we are less than 100 hours from a an Iowa football game. Wow, that's incredible. And for a long time this summer, Biz, it felt like we were not going to get to this point after the Big Ten officially shut down in the beginning of August. They finally heard from Kevin Warren, and he said that they were not going to look back upon this it was a decision that there would be no coming back from here we are it'll kick off friday night in the big 10 with illinois and wisconsin of course iowa purdue 2:30 kickoff from west lafayette you will not be there so no getting kicked out of bars for you this time in west lafayette biz but uh, the game and and just how we get here before we get into the game boy what a wild summer and college football as a whole yes we're big 10 fans we're iowa fans but the big 10 college football they needed the Big Ten back. Yeah, I mean, what a debacle, Trent. I mean, we haven't spoken over three and a half months, but it was quite the roller coaster ride. I mean, we're on the third Big Ten schedule right, since the last time we spoke, which is just crazy. And, you know, the funny thing is, last time you and I spoke, I think we kind of even, we were at odds and kind of bet on whether there was going to be a schedule. And I think I was much more pessimistic than you were. So I, I guess you win the first bet of the year, Trent. Yes. It certainly looks like there's going to be football. It looked like for the longest time I won, but, uh, you know, in, in 2020, you know, you, you never count your, uh, count your winnings until they're, they're done. So until Saturday's here and the ball is actually in the air, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm not willing to say you won yet. Not, not going to concede it quite yet. That's all right. I can. I'm beating you right now, five and three, as we uh, play deep in the in the back nine. But uh, you're still not going to concede this one to be biz. Uh, this this off season, what it's led to, it, it leads to the question that I pondered a lot, and I've talked to a lot of people on my radio show about this. About the Iowa program, is the Iowa program built in a way where limited practice time, this lead up the period everything that's happening in terms of not having spring practice, of course, not having a normal August camp. Is Iowa, with Kirk Ferentz there for 22 years, a longtime staff, knowing what you're going to do, is that a good thing for Iowa football, or is it a negative because you need to be so precise? You need to do things a certain way, and they haven't had the time to lead up for it. I think it's a little bit of both, but if you had to make one, is this a good thing for Iowa football compared to their Big Ten peers, or is this a negative for Iowa football what side of the ledger would you be on? Well, I, I kind of sat down and made a list a little bit, Trent, of what what makes a a good college football team in the COVID era. And you know, I think I think after looking at, it, I think I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that, that we're going to be a successful team in this era. I mean, and part of the reason why I think Kirk Ferentz and his coaching staff have really learned or have have adapted the last four or five years to be a better early, early in the season team. You know, we used to be, you know, so bad those first couple games that, you know, you always went into the game against, you know, you and I, or, you know, Northern Illinois, just 
fretting what was going to happen. But the last few years, we've really taken, you know, taken the bull by the horns and played pretty good football right from the get-go. And so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that this coaching staff has us, will have us ready to go on, uh, on Saturday. And, you know, I think one of the number one things, you know, obviously with no Big Ten football and no Iowa football, we've gotten to watch a lot of other college football over the last month. And, you know, there's been a lot of sloppy football out there. I mean, if you're fundamentally sound, if you can just do the basics, you know, if you can tackle – and you can uh, avoid penalties and avoid turnovers, you got a good chance in, in, with, with COVID football. I mean, that Iowa State-Oklahoma game was, was a perfect example. I mean, Iowa State didn't do anything flashy. They just stayed within themselves and played, you know, fundamentally sound football and waited for Oklahoma to miss yet another tackle or, or you know, make more mistakes, and, and, and they were happy to oblige. So, you know, I, the thing I kept thinking back to as I watched that game is thank God for Phil Parker. And I just think, I think Phil Parker, we talk about Kirk Ferentz, but more than anything, Phil Parker will have us ready to go. And I think you give Phil Parker a month, two months, whatever they have to get ready for Purdue, I feel pretty good about his being ready for Purdue. Yeah, it's a great point. And going back to the very beginning of the season, we were doing our fantasy draft the night of that Labor Day, the BYU-Navy game. Navy hadn't tackled, and it showed up on the field. You know that Iowa is going to be fundamentally sound. You know that everybody that's out there on the eleven on defense, those are going to be guys that are fundamentally sound. They're going to know what they need to do, and they're going to tackle. I can't imagine an Iowa football camp where they were not working on those types of things. And I think you bring up a really good point, and I think you've swayed me because I have been back and forth on this. And maybe it's some a little bit more on the offensive side of the football that I've been thinking of, but knowing defensively what Parker is going to do with this group, what they're going to be able to do on that side, I think it's a great thing and uh, a chance to get off to a really good start as the schedule sets up. Yeah, the schedule, I mean, I mentioned earlier, Trent, this is the third third schedule for the Big Ten. And fortunately for Iowa, every schedule got a little bit easier for us. I mean, we went from an absolutely brutal 12-game schedule where, where we were going to play four top 25 teams in our first six games. Then we got the second schedule where we were going to have to end the year by going to the horseshoe. Um, and then we got the third schedule where that game got dropped and they kind of reconfigured things. And, and we start with, you know, we get three straight games against teams that had losing records last year. So, I mean, the schedule has, the schedule has fallen much. Each, each different schedule has, has improved slightly for us. It's still not an easy schedule by any means. I mean, you're playing all big 10 opponents. There's no cupcakes in there, but uh, it's certainly manageable and there's no reason you know, looking at this schedule, we can't be, uh, you know, three and zero going into Minnesota down the road. But that's obviously it's getting ahead of things. But you know, we're going to be favored in three in a row. That's for sure. Yeah, and we know that with the Purdue game to open things up. Now, uh, your buddies over on your side of the state, over at Elite Sportsbook, they released a few weeks ago the Iowa point spreads for every single game this year, including Iowa Purdue. They opened up the Hawkeyes favored by nine and a half, and right away, I texted you. I said, this can't be right. It didn't seem right. Well, we see when the line comes up from the other bookmakers, as they did this week, and that point spread a whole lot type, uh, tighter, depending on where you're looking. Iowa, three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half point favorite right now. Nine-and-a-half. I, I knew it was crazy at the time. I jumped aboard. Did you jump aboard with me? I did, and, and we've I've actually jumped aboard the other side as well. Oh. I'm officially uh, middled this game. And, and honestly, you look at elite, I think they're just kind of asleep at the wheel on those 
in general. I, I think there's a couple others you can middle down the road as well. They, they finally moved the Michigan State bet line up a little bit, but that was initially, I think, three and a half or four. And I don't, I think Michigan State's going to be terrible. So I, I think that number, by the time they come here in two weeks, they're going to get pounded by Michigan, I think, next week. And by the time they come here, I think it'll be, be 10 or more. So, I mean, I think if you uh, are, are if you pay attention to those, I think there's three or four options where you can potentially get a you know, six or seven point middle in there uh, down the road. If uh, you're new to gambling and the gambling world, what this means is you make a bet when it was nine and a half. Iowa was favored by nine and a half. You bet then the other sites, say you grab Purdue and the, uh, the nine and a half, and you bet it at three. So if Iowa wins by four, five, six, seven, or eight points, you win both bets. And, that's what the middling and the doubling opportunity is when you do that. This is something that professionals do, but well, as you probably see throughout this season, we're not close to professionals. We like to pretend we are, though, Trent. <laughs> and, and it seems too good. You know, I've, I've been back and forth here, and should I middle this? When I saw that initial line that came out, Iowa just two and a half, I liked it a lot more, the middling, when you get the three and the four. But now that it's a four and a half, a lot of places, including as they look right now at Elite Sportsbook, it really kind of tightens up those numbers that you can hit in the middling opportunity. I think I'm just going to ride with my 9.5 ticket with Purdue. It's, I think it's a great price. Purdue getting 9.5, I think this is going to be a good game on Saturday. I do too. I mean, I think it's a, it's a game where we're going to have to score some points. And that's, you know, we, I talked earlier about what makes a good, good team in the COVID era. And, you know, I said fundamentally sound is one, but you got to score the football in the COVID area, era as well. I mean, I, I had Stat Boy look it up for me real quick. And uh, over 55% of the game so far this year, the over has hit. Um, so, I mean, there's teams are out there scoring points. And I think, you know, part of that's just simple. You know, there's, there's no crowd noise. So it's a little easier to adjust and make, make adjustments on the fly. And, you know, it's a little more of a, a seven-on-seven feel without the, the crowd noise. So, you know, I think the initial thought is when you think Iowa football this year is, hey, we, we can score some points. We've got a dynamic offense with a lot of playmakers. But then you go back and look at a couple of things, Trent, and this is where, you know, kind of the flip side of what I said earlier. I think we are a fundamentally sound team, and I'm optimistic about some things, but I'm also really scared about a couple of things. One, uh, you go back and look before the USC game, Trent, our last eight regular season games last year, I'll just read off the points we scored in those eight. You kind of forget because we look so good against USC. The last eight before that, we scored 3, 12, 26, 20, 22, 23, 19, and 27. Hmm. We didn't get over 27 in any of the eight. And I think you and I both probably would agree 27 points isn't going to get it done on Saturday. No. No, not at all. And we've we've seen that even as Jeff Brown will not be there for Purdue. His brother will be out there as the acting head coach. And I'm going to guess that the game plan, he is still going to be heavily involved in that one. And one thing that he has done throughout his years at Purdue, they'll find a weakness uh, on the Iowa defense and they will attack it and continually attack it. They'll take shots up the field. It's, it's just not a great matchup for Iowa. The way that Purdue plays, and especially offensive football compared to Iowa's defense, it it just isn't a marriage that works very well for the Hawks. Well, and I don't want to oversimplify the game, Trent, but I honestly think this game is going to come down. Both teams have brand-new quarterbacks, or, or really brand-new. I mean, Purdue's got a couple guys that played a few games last, last year, but nobody that's, that's got a lot of experience. So 
I mean, is, is you know, if their quarterback uh, plays well and gets the ball to uh, Moore and Bell, we're probably in trouble. And, but if on the flip side, if Petrus lives up to the uh, the hype and, and the expectations, I mean, boy, I can't remember a first-year quarterback that got more positive publicity from his teammates and his coaches. I mean, we, you and I have talked about in the past, usually the Iowa coaching staff likes to kind of uh, tap down expectations. I remember, you know, Nate Stanley, they weren't even sure he was going to be the starter, and they kind of dragged it out till about this time, about four or five days before the opener, before they even gave him the, the keys to the car. I mean, that, that hasn't been the case with Tyler Peters. They've said, this is your team, go lead them. It's been odd. It's been a different feel than any first-year quarterback that we've had. And uh, maybe it says something about the backups that Padilla, I mean, the gap between Petrus and Padilla is just that big, that there was just no shot that Padilla was going to overtake him, or that this kid's going to be the real deal. And, and the good news is, as you look at things historically, Iowa quarterbacks have been very good, at least in terms of win-loss record, in their first year as a starting quarterback. And I know our man Stat Boy went to say, work. Did you say look at things historically? Yes. Then who do we need to turn to? It, it's the one and only Shits, Stat Boy. We're 25 minutes into this trend. It, it's time to get in the uh, the Wayback Machine and get Stat Boy involved. So it, it's, I asked him the question that you just kind of uh, teased there a little bit. Uh, how have first-year quarterbacks done in the, uh, the Ferentz era? And I think – People always assume that they've, they've done pretty well, and so let's, let's dig into the numbers and let's, let's check it out, Trent. So what I had Statboy look at is how many first-year quarterbacks have there been in, in the 20 years since, since 2001. We'll throw out those first two years when uh, Ferentz was, was deal, dealing with a less-than-full deck. Mm-hmm. So in the last 20 years, there have been 10 first-year quarterbacks. And when I say first-year quarterback, I mean – it's the first year they've actually started from the get-go. So, so you know, I know Banks and McCann kind of split time in 2001, and again in 2008, um, you know, Christensen and Stanzi kind of split. But it, it's the, the following year that count for Banks and, and Stanzi because they're the first year that they actually uh, took the reins from the get-go. So does that make sense? Yep, yep, I'm, I'm in with you. All right, Trent, so here's a simple question. Let's just start with simple here. In 20 years, there have been 10 first-year quarterbacks. Can you name all 10? 10 first-year quarterbacks. From 2000, the first one was in 2001. The last one was obviously Stanley in 2017. So all right. you, can either work, you can either work backwards from Stanley or forwards from the 2001. I think you can get all 10. Brad Banks? So, well, Banks was the second one in 2002. Who was, who was 2001? 2001. Uh, well, McCann was the starter. Yep, that's correct. He's okay. Starting quarterback. So okay. Right. So, start, so there you go. You're starting with McCann and then Banks. So there's two. Keep going. Chandler. Chandler is three. Tate. Tate is four. Christensen. He's five. Uh, Manson. Are we talking about no. started a game or started the season? Started the season. Okay. Starting okay. the season. Yep. After Christensen, then we get into Stanzi. Yep, there's six. From Stansy, we go into from Keokuk, uh, Vandenberg. Yep, there's seven. Uh, boy, and then uh, who am I missing in between before we get to Stanley? Oh, boy, I'm getting old, and my memory starts to fade. 
Jake Rudock and C.J. Beathard. There, okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you yeah. got them all. Not bad. Yeah, there's, that, there's, that was, yeah, I, mean, I told you I thought, I thought, thought you could get to the 10. So It was a layup. It's quarterbacks. That, that one's pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, it is. But I, I wanted to, you know, it's been a while, Trevor. It I is. Wanted to, I wanted you to feel good about yourself, so I gave you Thank a softball. You. Thank you. Yes. So the interesting thing, Trent, when you look at those 10 first-year quarterbacks, the five best records that Iowa's had in the last 20 years all come from first-year quarterbacks. So you've got Banks in 2002, and we won 11 games. You've got Chandler in 2003, we went 10-3. and three. Mm-hmm. You've got Tate in 2004, when we went 10-2. You've got Slick Rick, Sandy in 2009, we go 11-2. And then 2015, CJB go 12 and two. So we've uh, we've historically done very well with with the uh, first year quarterbacks. In fact, crazy thing, Trent, we've never all ten of them never had a losing record with a first year quarterback under under Ferentz. Second, they've never thrown for less than 2,000 yards. Uh, so uh, it'd be tough this year. Yeah, exactly. So I guess with eight games or nine games, he's going to have to swing it a little bit more, but I think it's possible. Well, has the some weapons. Is, the other thing you notice, and you kind of mentioned it because you, you threw out Manson as I mentioned there once, but first-year quarterbacks and quarterbacks in general for Iowa have been remarkably healthy. Oh, boy. The There's only, the kiss of death. There it is. Yeah, exactly. So the only two times I can even think of is the Stanzi injury in 09, uh-huh. the Tate injury in, was it, 05, 05 I believe. Yep. That's really about it. Other than that, they've basically played a full season. So uh, the, the takeaway from this trend is that you can count on Tyler Petras to, to play the full season. You can count on him to play well. And you can take it to the bank that we're going to go at worst five and four. So uh, I think you mentioned some over-unders, but I think isn't the over-under for Iowa like four and a half wins? It is, yeah. So go more, go mortgage the house on five and four, Trent. Uh, yes. That that boy's info doesn't lie. The, the Hawks are five and four at worst. Spencer Petras, he's gonna have a whole bunch of weapons. I, I keep I keep calling him Tyler Petras. Yeah, cool. what's up with that? That's a problem that I can't remember his name. That may not be a good sign. Spencer Petras. We're getting old. We're getting old. We'll, I, I we'll, assume he's listening, so I apologize. Yeah, we'll we'll get you, Spencer. You throw a touchdown and win a game against Purdue. Biz will get your name right next week. So uh, with that, anything else, Stat Boy? What else did you have him working on? That's it. I gave Stat Boy kind of a light assignment this right. week for a couple reasons. One, I, I totally forgot to ask him until like 48 hours ago. Okay, I, I, we're rusty, Trent. But yeah. the second, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to overwhelm him. It's a, it, it, it's a grind, Trent. For it's going to be a nine-week grind. We'll start him off easy. That sounds great. Well, with that, you mentioned the over/under. There are odds out there to. Not just win the Big Ten, as you'd anticipate. Ohio State is an overwhelming favorite. I've seen them as high as like minus 400 to win the conference, which I don't know. Is it a lock? It feels really good. But you want to have your money laying out there for nine, ten weeks waiting for that bet to come in at minus 400. It just it's not the way that I like to gamble. It doesn't seem like very much fun to have that much money tied up at a minus 400 number. Iowa, you can find instant gratification. Yes, that's what it's about. I've seen them anywhere between 18 to 30 to 1 to win the Big Ten as a whole. But I think more intriguing is the division odds. I finally found them as I had talked to a number of properties, uh, talked to a few offshore places, seeing if they were ever going to come out with odds to win the division, not the Big Ten West. And I finally found it last week with Bovada in their updated numbers. Wisconsin, the favorite to win the Big Ten West, 
three to two plus one fifty. Iowa the second choice at plus two twenty five. Nebraska three to one because oh they know those Cornhusker fans will throw their money away. Minnesota at plus five fifty eleven to two. Really like that price on the Gophers. Purdue twenty to one. Illinois thirty to one. And Northwestern at forty to one. Anything jump out to you with the odds to win the Big Ten West? It's boring, Trent, but I think just Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, they've won, what, six out of the last eight. And, you know, plus 150 is pretty good. You know, that's a pretty good price, I think. And their schedule's favorable. They don't play Penn State or Ohio State. So, uh, you know, as sad as it is to say, I think that's probably the best bet. Probably but is. I your 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 mention of the Gophers, I agree with as well. But I, I – I think they're losing that offensive coordinator is really going to hurt them. I think Soraka, was, yeah. I, I think he was more, you know, and you know the Gophers are an interesting case study. I think they're what Iowa kind of hopes to be this year because the Gophers, people kind of forget they were not a good football team the first few weeks last year. They they should have lost to some bad teams early on, and then with confidence and, and a few wins under their belt, they really uh, got rolling. And, and that's. You know, best case scenario, I'm hoping that's what happens with the Hawks. Is, you know, you play some average opponents early on, you get a few wins under your belt, and then, you know, you never know. So, it's, but I don't know. I, I'm still not sold on P.J. Fleck. I probably never will be. He's a different cat, that's for sure. Phil, uh, he bothers me a whole bunch, but offensively, Tanner Morgan, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop with him. and never happened last year. Now, when you have Johnson and Bateman on the outside, that's going to help. Their whole offensive line is back, but losing as much as they did defensively, losing Wingfield, who is just a stud. That dude, I don't know why Ohio State didn't offer him. I know he's a couple inches short, but come on. I mean, your dad went to Ohio State. Why he never got that offer is baffling. But regardless of that, their defense is, I think, going to take a pretty big step back. And we talk about the schedule a little bit earlier, Biz, but I think getting them there as opposed to to the end of the season, I think that's a good thing, too. Is, is getting them in week four as opposed to, say, week eight. I think that's also another advantage for Iowa. I'd rather see them then. Yeah, and the other thing about the schedule that, you know, we'll talk about sure more as the year goes on, but, uh, I mean, we're going to be playing at least three, you know, three games later than we ever do in the Midwest. I mean, the, yeah. the weather is yeah. going to be a, an absolutely huge factor in these games the second half of the season. So, you know, and that – goes back to the thing you and I have talked about over and over and over over the years. Can Iowa run the football? Mm-hmm. And that's probably my biggest concern about this team. I know people worry about the first year quarterback, but we, we've got the we've got the skill position talent that if, if he's if he's adequate, we'll be okay at that. I'm more worried about the ability to run the ball in some crappy weather in, in November and in December because you and I have talked about it before. The Iowa offensive line has been very, very mediocre the last few years. Yeah. It was. And at, time, and at times, less than mediocre. I mean, last year is a perfect example. I mean, that was, could have been a historically great team. I mean, and the, but you go to the Michigan-Penn State game in the middle, well, we give up 10 sacks in two right. games, and we couldn't do anything offensively, and it was almost entirely due to the interior line or, or, or lack thereof. And, you know, I don't know. I just. I feel like it's a broken record. I feel like you and I talk about it a lot about the fact that the old line just hasn't gotten it done. And and part of that, I think falls on the running backs a little bit also. So hopefully uh, when you combine a veteran offensive line and 
what looks to be a really, really good running back and Goodson hopefully uh, will finally turn the corner. And they're going to uh, get uh, that offensive line a big, big test in week one. George Karloftis is uh, about as good as you're going to find on the defensive front. Had seven and a half sacks last year as a freshman. He's a guy that was a five-star and ended up at Purdue. Family, the reason behind that. But still, uh, this guy, those kind of guys don't end up at Purdue very often. He's a really, really good player. And that's who I was going to see out there in week one. All right, Biz, are you ready to make some picks to kick off the season? I sure am, Trent. I'm uh, uh, I'm doing absolutely horrible in the HSC this year. So uh, start, I really locked in and focused. I'm ready. I'm ready to turn it around starting now. All right. Well, I uh, I'm doing well in the Hawkeye Super Contest this year. I'm in the top five. So I will hopefully continue that here on our podcast and give out some good gambling advice. I do a, a gambling television show on MediaCom. We got a $2,000 bankroll to start the season. I've already lost $1,300 of that bankroll. So it's not going as well there. We'll see if we can change things up here on the podcast. So going to do things a little bit differently this year. We're going to pick the Iowa game every week. We're going to pick the Big Ten game, the best Big Ten game or whatever Big Ten game we like best. What do we want to do here? We'll produce this thing on the fly, Biz. Uh, Just whatever Big Ten game jumps out at you. All right. And then one national game or best bet, whatever that may be outside maybe of the realm of the Big Ten. So three games every week. We'll put together a record. We're not going to play around with money, anything like that this year. Try to simplify things in this abbreviated 2020 Hawkeye football season. Let's start it off right now as I take a look at the number. Iowa, what do we want to make this number right now? I mentioned it's four and a half at Elite. I'm looking at the odds across the country right now out in Vegas. Three and a half is the consensus number. We'll use that. Hawks by four. Three and a half, where are you at? I don't really care what that is, Trent, because I'm going with the over anyway. Oh. And so when I looked at this yesterday, the over was 52. And I see, I looked before we came on here, I think it's already jumped to 54 or somewhere in there. So uh, uh, as I said earlier, I, I think what I've seen in the last three or four weeks, you got to score the football to, uh, to win. The weather looks like it's going to be good this weekend. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. So give me give me over 52 or, or I guess, 54, whatever it is currently. Yeah, I see it uh, 54, some 54 and a half, some 50. We'll give you 54. That seems like a good round number for the over. And I like that play. I think I'm going to be jumping aboard with you on that one this week. I'm going to lay the points with Iowa this week. I'm going to lay the three and a half that's out there. Again, I played Purdue at nine and a half. That was more of a number play than anything here. Iowa, though, coming in there. The success of first-year quarterbacks. No Brom, I think that's going to be an impact, too. I'm not sure how big. I think the Hawkeyes still are a touchdown better, though. They get it done 34-27. I'll lay the three-and-a-half with the Hawkeyes. I don't know if this will change your bet at all, Trent, but breaking news while we're on here. Uh-oh. Not great not, not great breaking news for Iowa. Apparently, uh, Jack Campbell is not playing. Oh, the presumed starter at middle linebacker. Okay. Yeah, so. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be an opening week for Iowa without a rant. It's, it's an undisclosed illness. So hmm. it seems like every year we have some random uh, injury slash illness or something pop up the first week. Or Usually, usually it's right for the Iowa State game. But uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so it wouldn't be so – you can change your bet if you'd like, but I'm assuming you're not. No, no, that's not going to change things at all for me. I'll still lay the three and a half with Iowa. All right, let's go to the Big Ten, your favorite bet of the week in the Big Ten, Biz. 
It's another over, Trent. I'll take the over in Ohio State, Nebraska. I believe it's at 65. Um, I don't think Nebraska has a chance to win this game, but I do think Nebraska has a chance to make it a shootout. On the flip side, I think Ohio State realizes they've got to put up a, uh, a quality product every week and really impress voters. So I think they will be putting the uh, pedal to the metal every single week. So I think this game will be an absolute shootout. So give me over 65 in uh, the Buckeyes Cornhuskers game. All right. We talked earlier about Iowa's opponent in the third week, Michigan State. They're going to be terrible. I think things are, are going to get off Rutgers? to a really, really bad start. Give me those Scarlet Knights and the 13 points to kick things off. I'm jumping on the Rutgers string with Shiano and company in week one. Michigan State's going to be brutal. I don't know if they can score 13 points against anybody, and you have to lay it. No thanks. Rutgers plus the 13. The funny thing is, Trent, I almost bet, I almost picked that as well, but then I, I remember I think I made a promise on this uh, a couple of years ago that I would never, ever bet Rutgers uh-huh. in Illinois again because I think I, I like 0-10 when I picked them in the past. So, so, so good luck to you. Hopefully you do better than the times I've uh, tried, to, tried to ride the uh, – the, the Rutgers wave. It's a scary, scary place to be at all aboard. All right, let's finish up your best bet of the week, Biz. I'm going with Virginia Tech Hokies, uh, minus nine against Wake Forest. I think this is a team that they had some insane COVID issues early in the year. I think they're finally healthy. I think they finally found a quarterback, and they can uh, really, really run the football. And, and Wake Forest gave up like 400 yards rushing to North Carolina State. I think they'll give up even more than that to, to Vitek. So give me the Hokies minus nine. Going with the Hokies. I'm going to wrap things up in the American Athletic Conferences. I've watched a lot more F this season than I have in the past. Central Florida laying 20 against Tulane. Central Florida's already lost two games. This is a team that had their sights on another undefeated season. That is obviously off the table here. And Tulane is plucky they're okay they can run the football they got a goofy offense with Willie Fritz they're fun to watch and I love their uniforms with the uh the light blue and the green along with it so I'm going to grab the green wave my best bet of the week plus the 20 at South Florida uh, Central Florida the, the, the Tulane Tar Heels when they wear their yes uh, it's beautiful it's a great look their North Carolina ripoff absolutely immaculate the green wave uh, with the with the flag going on. Oh, it is so good. Such a good look. Those are our picks this week. Anything else in the world of gambling before we get to business beat? I don't think so, Trent. Let's uh, let's get to it. It's been a long time since we've had a, a wonderful business beat. Hey, kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. <sighs> This is being the day is pretty simple. Thank God for for college football. I, I think as we talked about earlier, I had I had been pessimistic that we were going to get to this point that we were going to get to see Iowa football this year. And to be honest with you, I think I had kind of uh, fooled myself into thinking I was okay with that and that you know I could get through a fall without uh, without Iowa football. But the last four weeks. Uh, quite, quite frankly, they've stunk, Trent. Uh, <laughs> watching other teams play and, and not having Iowa football to uh, look forward to and talk about and dissect has sucked. So uh, it, it's good to be here, good to be talking about the Hawks, and good to be you know, with, with all of the things that have happened with Iowa football over the last eight months. It's, it's 
wonderful to just be able to go out and have a football game to play and a team to cheer for again. So uh, thank God for, for college football and thank God for the Hawks. So, so yeah. go Hawks. On my uh, my day job, there was a whole bunch of Iowa State conversation that was dominating, and knowing that we were ultimately going to get Iowa back, that was a good thing. I enjoy still talking about Iowa State, watching Iowa State, but as they look at the Big 12 and what they're doing and what they have a chance to do, starting with Oklahoma State this weekend, boy, it would have been very, very difficult to have to do that day in and day out with at least the, the team that I cheer for the most, the team that I root for the most being involved with Iowa. I'm glad to have the Hawkeyes back. Now, if they go out and lay an egg Saturday, my tune might change come 6 o'clock, uh, but for the here and now, I'm pumped up for it and excited to get the Hawks back out there on the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that Iowa State is playing the same time as Iowa because uh, my, my blood pressure can't handle watching them play Big 12 teams anymore. The Big, the Big 12 is just god-awful. It like, it's just it's infuriating to watch. Like, What's it take to uh, break down and tackle or uh, contain Brock Purdy in, in, in the pocket? Uh, but uh, I, I digress, Trent. Uh, I won't have to watch the clones this week because I've got Iowa football to watch. Two thirty kickoff, Iowa Purdue. You can check that one out. Iowa favored by three and a half. It's on BTN, and Biz will be back with me next week, and we'll talk more about Iowa getting ready for the home opener with Northwestern. Biz, good to do this again. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Let's uh, do it again next week. Go Hawks.